Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about a Wikipedia reading on gauge theory. Now, to be honest, <coughs> it's something which has been explained to me many, many times, but I still really haven't understood exactly what a gauge is, and it's sort of like if you listen to things uh, and you step back, step back, step back, they eventually come to gauge theory. And I think there was a female mathematician, von Neumann, no, something like that, Neumann or something like that, uh, and she came up with the idea of gauge theory. So for every gauge there is a force and a symmetry and a set of coordinates to come across. So I'm going to read it to you. Uh, as part of my general uh, getting through uh, this. Uh, in physics, a gauge theory is a type of field theory in which the Lagrangian does not change, is invariant under local transformation from certain lie groups. So I can tell you certain things. A field theory is something for which you draw fields uh, or you describe space and energy location in space. So that's a field. Lagrangian is um, the kinetic energy minus the potential energy. So generally you have um, Hamiltonian, which is the kinetic plus the potential energy, subtracts up. And the uh, Lagrangian has this thing that uh, if you differentiate it in two different ways, uh, you get the um, equations of motion that handles um, Grangeans, handles coordinates, simplifies coordinates um, of doing it. So I, I will read Lagrangian in a little while, but it's a thing. So Lagrangian is a um, an assessment of a situation. So Lagrangian of a, a system, if you get it, uh, the Lagrangian of the system uh, is a mathematical representation. So a Lagrangian, I suppose, would be um, have the units of joules because they're both energy uh, energies there. But um, uh, so a Lagrangian of a system would be you feed in the system states, and the system states will give you an energy via Lagrangian. And uh, by minimising Lagrangian, or, diff or um, uh, doing the time derivative of a Lagrangian, you get the equations of motion, and uh, it sort of handles the coordinates. Now it's saying that Lagrangian is the same no matter what coordinates you select. Uh, so you can select some convenient coordinates, coordinates for Lagrangians and some inconvenient ones. But if you transform the, um, those coordinates by local transformation of a lie group, so a lie group uh, would be the, say, the rotations of a sphere. Or, uh, yeah, there's a sort of an infinite lie group, general lie group. I, I really will have to do another one on what a lie group is. So, to understand forces, to understand physics, you need to understand gauge theory, and you need group theory to understand symmetry breaking. These are these are really horrible things to quite understand. The term gauge refers to any specific mathematical formula 
formalism to regulate redundant degrees of freedom in the Lagrangian. So, Lagrangian is a, as I said before, the potential energy, the kinetic energy minus the potential energy, and um, you can have, say, <coughs> a set of, um, say, two coordinates, say, the two balls, the height between the two balls and the height above the ground um, and so there will be one set of coordinates there you may have a set of coordinates which are, are redundant so if you have a gauge I don't know what exactly it is, that doesn't really speak a lot to me unfortunately the transformations between possible gauges called gauge transformations form a Lie group referred to as a symmetry group or a gauge group of theory so you can make a selection of these basic um, uh, gauges and move between any two that you select. Associated with um, any Lie group is a Lie algebra of group generators. So uh, this is how you go between two, two gauges. You can have a transformation and that sort of transformation is itself a group. For each group generator, there's <coughs> arises a corresponding field, usually a vector field. So, an electric field is a scalar field, but a magnetic field is a vector field. And so, just to give you the heads the heads up about that. Now, the curl of A is B, the magnetic field. Uh, but A, if you if I get a charge and push it forward. Uh, a vector field goes around that charge in the same direction as the motion of that charge uh, uh, and the large say at the charge and then drops off as one on R from that charge uh, and then that curl says it's how much curvature is put on that magnetic field and so if, if I get a magnetic field and bend it ever so slightly um, and take the the cross product of those the vector before I move a little bit in space. I'll produce a line in the direction of motion of the field. You see the circularity of the field. So curl A equals B, uh, and then you have div curl A is by definition zero. So if I say div B is zero, it's another way of saying that there is some a <coughs> and uh, uh, the um, Maxwell's equations are quickest that way. Okay. Um, uh, gauge fields are included in Lagrangian to ensure its invariance uh, under local group transformations called gauge invariance. So, gauge invariance requires you to describe the field. Um, so if you don't have the field there, you, your coordinates may include some sort of wacky way of generating a field. So that's sort of, it's sort of like a circular argument. Um, in a theory that is quantized, a quanta of a gauge field is called gauge boson. So um, a quanta of a gauge field is, so if I have a field, and <coughs> I have an oscillation in that field, um, 
you can actually uh, a basic um, particle, I suppose, in it as a boson. So a photon is a boson, a W boson, a Z boson, a gluon is a boson, and a Higgs is a boson. But Higgs is a scalar boson. Uh, so it's interesting to go through them. If the symmetry group is non-commutative, so that if I do, say, a flip, then a rotation is different from a rotation and a flip, uh, then gauge theory is referred to as non-Albanian theory, uh, Albion theory, um, the usual example of being the Yang's middle theory. So um, this is for um, uh, quarks. It's not Albanian. Okay, many powerful theories in physics described by Lagrangians are invariant under some symmetry transformation groups. When they are invariant under a transformation identically performed on every point in space-time uh, in the pr physical processes occur, they are said to have a global symmetry. Local symmetry is the cornerstone of gauge theories. It is a stronger um, constraint. In fact, the global symmetry is just a local symmetry whose group parameters are fixed in space-time. Same way, a constant value can be understood as a function of a certain parameter, the output of which is always the same. So, gee, that's dense. It's, it's a Wikipedia article for the general public. Um, but, uh, so a constant of motion is a constant of motion, isn't it? Um, so it might be a, a mass is a gauge symmetry breaking, it's a constant. So a, a mass of a proton will always stay the same, uh, and the reason is because of, because of that. The charge will always stay the same, uh, and things like that. Um, okay, gauge theories are important as successful field theories explain the dynamics of elementary particles. So just an elementary particle is a particle which has no parts. So it has properties, but no mechanism for a property. So this is a very important thing, not covered in school. When we say an electron, we, we don't say, look, an electron is an elementary particle. It's got no parts, it's got no mechanism to explain everything. Everything is as measured from its existence and symmetry. <clears throat> Quantum electrodynamics is an Albion gauge theory. Oh, oh electrodynamics. That is um, atoms and stuff like that. You can, you can change theories. Identically performed, I say, a symmetry group of U1 um, and has one gauge field. The electromagnetic four potential, the photon being the gauge boson. So electro electromagnetic four potential, um, when I say it, is... Uh, to make it space-time invariant. Uh, you know how you have the regret symbol? You have the quad symbol. That's it there. I'm just labouring through this book on um, uh, whatever it is, electrodynamics um, at the moment. Uh, so you've got the boson. The standard model is a non-Albanian uh, Albion um, gauge theory with a symmetry group U1. Uh, um, so... So we live in U1, we live in the electromagnetic world. SU2, now it's U1, 
However, we have SU2 electrons in it. There's SU2 poking its ugly little head in there. But for uh, quarks, it's SU1, SU2, which is 720 degrees, and SU3, which is chromodynamics. So there's colours coming in. has a total of 12 gauge bosons, 12 gauge bosons, uh, a photon, three weak bosons, and eight types of gluon. Well, I didn't know that. Uh, so I, I didn't know that there were eight types of gluons. So I, gee whiz, that's an amazing thing. I didn't know about that. So this is goes across that um, uh, SU U1 has it, and SU3 has a photon, which, okay, which is, uh, the photon is also in the U1, which is like that. SU2 uh, is uh, for leptons, and therefore you need um, three gauge bosons, the Z0, W plus, and W minus. So you need the the, um, the boson to take some um, charge with it, so you can uh, you know, flip the charge into a. Uh, you have a neutral, a neutral uh, neutrino coming in, and out out pops a um, an electron. Uh, you you can put a charge into the lepton field, so the, the boson decays like that. But I didn't know there were eight types of gluon, so isn't that amazing? I'm going to have to do an article on gluons. Gauge theories are also important in explaining gravitational theory of general relativity. In the case of somewhat unusual, the gauge field is a Lankos tensor. So gauge theory is a, a, a four-rank tensor. So there's four things going on. That takes quite a lot of understanding. Theories of quantum gravity, beginning with the gauge gravitational theory, also postulate the existence of a gauge photon, boson known as a graviton. Well, yeah, I don't think everyone has, has a real real um, gravity. Now, it's interesting to see how um, gravity interacts through um, Higgs particle. It goes through there. Gauge symmetries can be viewed as analogues of the principle of general covariance of general relativity in the coordinate system can be chosen freely under arbitrary diffeomorphism. I love diffeomorphism, that's the way some. Both gauge invariance and diffeomorphism invariance reflect the redundancy in the description of the system. An alternative theory of gravitational, gauge theory of gravity, replaces the principle of general covariance with a true gauge principle with a new gauge field. Totally don't understand any of that. Sorry guys, I'm reading it to you, but you have to do. I picked up that there are four gluons, and that's just enough to make you, what the heck? You know, up there they, uh, they show four, they show one gluon, but there's actually eight gluons. How about that? Because you never, you never see a gluon. Historically, the ideas were first stated in the context of classical electromagnetism and later general relativity. However, modern importance of gauge symmetries appeared first in the relativistic quantum mechanics of the electron and quantum electrodynamics. So, relativistic quantum mechanics of an electron 
is where you get spin, SU2 symmetry. So uh, that came up, but I don't think I don't think people came up with the um, the um, the uh, matrices of all these matrices first, and then uh, people who were into matrices said, "Oh, this is these just represent symmetries." But relatively to quantum mechanics, gives you the spin and quantum electrodynamics. I don't know exactly what quantum electrodynamics is. Elaborated on below, stage gate theories are useful in condensed matter, nuclear, high energy physics, amongst other subfields. So, the condensed matter is about spin, nuclear, and high energy physics. Nuclear would be uh, ice spin, high energy physics um, would be about those, uh, the Higgs particle. History, the earliest field having a gauge symmetry was Maxwell's formulation. In 1864 to 65, electrodynamics, the dynamical theory of the field, which stated that any vector whose curl vanishes um, can therefore normally be written as a gradient of a function, um, could be added to a vector potential without alter affecting the magnetic field. A vector potential. The importance of the symmetry remained unnoticed in the earliest formulation. S similarly unnoticed, Hilbert had derived the Einstein field equation by postulating invariance of the action under general coordinate. Hmm. Coordinate. Um, okay. Transformation. Like on uh, Hermann Weyl. In an attempt to unify general relativity and electromagnetism, conjectured uh, that h-convariance or invariance under a change of scale or gauge might also be a local symmetry of general relativity. Other development of quantum mechanics, Y. Vladimir Fock and Fritz London, modified gauge by replacing the scale factor with a complex quantity and turned the scale transformation into a change of phase which is a u1 gauge symmetry so what the heck does that mean this explains the electromagnetic field effect on the wave function of a charged quantum mechanical particle this was widely recognized as gauge theory populated by uh, popularized by Pauli in 1941 it's popular well that's sort of what i said in terms of Pauli's matrices, I thought it went the opposite way, that Pauli got the matrices and then they went back to the gauge theory. In 1954, attempting to resolve some of the great confusion of elementary particle physics, Yin Yang and Robert Mills introduced non-Albion gauge theories as models to understand the strong interaction. So the gauge theory has a... Um, uh, it's pretty amazing. Now, now this really gets... gets down to that this is way beyond what people can understand quite honestly because it requires years of study to get there and so people have a course tour it's sort of like you can ballet and you just get people who've got no skill whatsoever to practice doing the ballet and they, they do a little performance and everyone claps and whereas you know true ballet artists actually practice hours a day I don't know. Let's read it. Now I'll be engaged theory to understand holding together nucleons in the atomic nuclei. 
Um, yeah, so it's holding together the quarks inside the nucleon and the nucleon scene. Ronald Shaw, working with Albert Slam, independently introduced the same notion in his doctoral thesis. Generalising the gauge invariance of electromagnetism, they attempted to construct a theory based on the action of non-Albion SUT symmetry group um, on the isospin of double uh, protons and neutrons. So isospin we have just covered. An isospin is um, half n up minus n down. Uh, that's the I3, the, the projection onto a component of space. I have to, uh, I've only read it yesterday, but I've gotten some critical aspects of it. And so isospin to do with quarks. Now the isospin is is something, uh, but it does. There's also the SU3 symmetry, which is the color symmetry. Um, this motivated the searching for a strong force gauge theory. Theory now known as quantum chromodynamics is a gauge theory in which the XNOSU3 group is a color triplet of quarks. The standard model unifies the description of electromagnetism, weak interactions, and strong interactions in the language of a gauge theory. So that's, that's interesting. I don't know how they got the different generations and what the different generations mean. SU3 means the color. Uh, S, so SU3 is the color. SU2 is um, up and down. I don't know what U1 means then. SU2 means um, it's got some, but it's also got on top of that another spin, fermions and stuff like that. I don't quite understand. In the 1970s, Michael Atiyak began studying the mathematical solutions of the classical Yang-Mills equations. In 1983, Atiyak student Simon Donaldson built on the work to show that differential classification of smooth four manifolds is very different from their classification up to the homeomorphisms. Michael Friedman used Donaldson's work to exhibit the exotic R4s, that is, exotic differential, differential structures of Euclidean four-dimensional space. This led to increasing interest in gauge theory for its own sake, independent of the successes of fundamental physics. In 1994, Edward Witten and Nathan Silberg invented gauge theoretic techniques based on supersymmetry that enabled the calculation of certain topological invariants. The Sinbin-Witten invariant. These contributions to mathematics or gauge theory have led to renewed interest in the area. Well, I feel stupid. The importance of gauge theories in physics is exemplified by the tremendous success of the mathematical form of the simple providing unifying framework to describe quantum field theories of electromagnetism, the weak force, the strong force. This theory, known as the standard model, accurately describes experimental predictions regarding three of the four fundamental forces of nature. It's a gauge theory of SU3 times SU2 times SU1. Modern theories like string theories, as well as general relativity, are one way or another gauge theories. So, what the heck?
disengage through me. I still don't, after reading all that, I don't quite understand. Description. See if we can get through. So at least I now found there's not just three, but there's actually eight bosons. Get that. Eight bosons, eight gluons. So what is a gluon? Global symmetry. In physics, um, the mathematical description of any physical situation usually contains excessive degrees of freedom. The same physical situation is equally well described by many equivalent mathematical configurations. For instance, Newtonian dynamics has two configurations um, related to the Galilean transformation. The internal change of reference frames, they are represented in the same physical situation. So I could be on the boat or an observer. Uh, this transformation forms a group of symmetries of a theory. Uh, the physical situation corresponds uh, not to an individual mathematical configuration, but a classic configuration related to one another by a symmetry group. So the symmetry group would be um, the speed, uh, speed relative to it. The idea can be generalised to include local as well as global symmetry, and allows to much more expect, uh, abstract change of coordinates in a situation where there's no preferred inertial frame system and covers the entire physical system. A gauge theory is a mathematical model that has symmetries of this kind together with a set of techniques for making physical predictions about consistent symmetries of a model. So, I don't know if, um, if you're in free space, this gauge symmetry, I don't know whether gravity breaks that symmetry. Example of global symmetry. When a quantity occurring with a mathematical configuration is not just a number, but has some geometrical significance, such as a velocity or an axis of rotation, its representation as numbers arranged in a vector or matrix is also changed by the coordinate transformations. Sure thing. For instance, if one description of a pattern of fluid flow states the fluid velocity in the neighborhood uh, x equals 1 and y equals 0 is 1 meters per second in the positive x direction, the description of the same situation in which the coordinate system has been rotated clockwise by 90 degrees and states that the fluid velocity in the neighborhood of x0, y1 is 1 meters per second in the positive y direction. The coordinate transformation is affected with the coordinate systems used to identify the location of the measurement and the basis at which the value is expressed. As long as the transformation is performed globally, affecting the coordinate basis in the same way at every point, the effect on the values represents the rate of change of some quantity along some path in space and time is passed through the point P is the same as the effect of the values of truly local point and P. Local symmetry. Use of fiber bundles to describe local symmetries. There you go. In order to adequately describe physical situations and more complex theories, it is often necessary to introduce coordinate bases uh, for some of the objects of the theory that do not have a simple relationship with the coordinates used to label the points in space-time. In mathematical terms, the theory involves a fiber bundle in which the fibers each point uh, in out of the base space space consists um, of possible coordinates bases uh, for use when describing the values of the objects. In order to spell out the mathematical configurations, one has to choose a particular coordinate basis for each point and local selection of the fiber bundle to express the values of the objects of the theory, usually fields and physics sense using the spaces. Um, I suppose you could say um, you've got your space 
and you've got the uh, field around a charge. Two such mathematical configurations are equivalent to describe the same physical situation are related by transformation of the abstract coordinate basis, a change of the local selection or gauge transformation. In most gauge theory, the set of possible transformation of abstract gauges basis at an individual point in space and time is quite is finite dimensional. Lie groups, simplest group U1, appears in modern formulation of quantum electrodynamics by the use of complex numbers QED is generally regarded as the first simplest physical gauge theory. I suppose, yeah, so this is an example why I use, I suppose this is for me 12 gluons and the reason I use complex numbers is that it's U1 symmetry, which is this fundamental thing. I don't think we have U1 symmetry, we can't actually comprehend it because we don't comprehend complex numbers. The set of possible gauge, so quantum electrodynamics is a Schrodinger wave equation. The set of possible gauge transformations or target configuration is given of a given gauge theory also forms a group, the gauge group of the theory. An element of the gauge group can be parameterized by smoothly varying function from the points of space-time uh, to a finite dimensional light group. This is the value of the function as it deviates at each point represents the action of the gauge transformation of the fiber over that point. Don't quite understand, that's a bit too dense for me to understand. A gauge transformation which consists that with constant parameters at every point in space and time is analogous to a rigid rotation of the geometric coordinate system. It represents a global symmetry of the gauge representation. As in the case of rigid rotation, the gauge transformation affects expression that represents the rate of change along the path of some gauge-dependent quantity in the same way that it represents the true local quantity. A gauge transformation whose parameter is not a constant function as required by local symmetry, the effect of the expression that involves derivative of qualitatively different forms of expression that don't. What the heck does that mean? This is analogous to non-inertial changes in a reference frame, by which can be produced Coriolis effect. So we can see that to, to try and work it out. So I'm just going to take a bit of a break here. You won't hear this whatsoever going through. Oh dear. Um, so I'll just go through on this next section is gauge fields. So I think I understand um, some of this. Continuing after a short break there, you won't hear that at all. We've just looked at the Coriolis effect. So that's um, a um, an effect of um, walking in the rotation frame of rotating frame of reference, if you want a side force on you, an apparent side force, so that's your selection of coordinates, gives you a force which you look at. Um, so it's you're non, uh, in a non-inertial, if, if you're in a rotating frame, it's a non-inertial frame, um, depends which way you're going. 
So rotating flame is an example of a non-inertial uh, accelerating frame. Uh, and uh, you can get that out. Uh, so, um, and there's, I suppose, a local local symmetry associated with that. Now we come up to gauge fields. So <clears throat> a field is basically a volume and area of space where things have a value inside it. Now, the gauge covariant version, this in quotes, gauge covariant version, of a gauge theory counts for the effect of introducing a gauge field, a mathematical language, an Erschmann connection, whatever that means. It's E-H-R-E-S-M-A-N-N -E -E connection. And formulating all rates of change in terms of the covariant derivative with respect to this connection. So I don't know exactly what covariant means, unfortunately. The gauge field becomes an essential part of the description of a mathematical configuration. A configuration in which the gauge field can be eliminated by a gauge transformation has a property that its field strength in mathematical language, its curvature is zero everywhere. Hmm. A gauge theory is not limited to these configurations. In other words, the distinguished characteristic of a gauge theory is that the gauge field does not merely compensate for a four-choice of coordinate systems. There's generally no gauge transformation that makes the gauge field vanish. Hmm. So, I suppose I could have a, um, if I have a poor choice, I have a, a, an origin which is moving, everything has a velocity, I suppose. Let's read this a bit more. When analysing the dynamics of gauge theory, the gauge field must be treated as a dynamical variable, similar to other objects in the description of a physical situation. In addition, its interaction with other objects via covariant derivative, the gauge field typically contributes energies in the form of a self-energy term. Now, one can obtain the equation for gauge theory by... Now, this is interesting because the gauge field has a self-energy, E squared, Starting from a na naive answer, it's guess, without a gauge field in which the derivatives are of the bare form. Listing the global symmetries of the theory that can be characterised by a continuous parameter, generally an abstract equivalent to rotation angle. Computing the correction terms that result from allowing the symmetry parameter to vary from place to place and reinterpreting these correction terms as couplings to one or more gauge fields and giving these fields appropriate self-energy terms and dynamical behaviour. So I think, yeah, you've got a strong, you've got various fields happening there. In this sense, the gauge theory extends global symmetry to local symmetry and closely resembles the historical development of gauge theory of gravity known as general relativity. So basically, what we've just, what Einstein did for general relativity, they have just really applied to quantum mechanics. Physical experiments. Gauge theories used to model the results of physical experiments engage in limiting the universe of possible configurations to those consistent with the information used to set up the experiment and then computing the probability distribution of the possible outcomes that the experiment is designed to measure. We cannot express the mathematical description of the setup information and the possible measurement outcomes or the boundary conditions of the experiment without reference to a particular coordinate system, including our choice of gauge. 
One assumes an adequate experiment isolated from external inferences that itself is a gauge-dependent statement. Mishandling gauge-dependence calculations in boundary conditions is the frequent source of anomalies. The approach to anomaly avoidance classified gauge theories. Well, wow, isn't that a lot to get in? Wow. Continuum theories. Two gauge theories mentioned above, continuum electrodynamics and general relativity, are continuum th field theories. The techniques for calculation in a continuum theory implicitly assume that, given a completely fixed choice of gauge, the boundary conditions of an individual configuration is completely described. Given a completely fixed gauge and completely a set of uh, complete set of boundary conditions, the least action uh, determines the unique mathematical configuration and therefore the unique physical situation consistent with these bounds, which is true for uh, quantum mechanics. That you, you set up the boundary conditions and the um, the physics there, electrodynamics. Uh, fixing the gauge introduces no anomaly in the calculation due to either gauge dependence or in describing the partial information of the boundary condition or the incompleteness of the theory. What the heck does that mean? Determination of the likelihood of possible out measurement outcomes proceeds by establishing the probability distribution over all physical conditions determined by the boundary conditions consistent with the setup information, establishing a probability distribution of the measurement outcomes for each possible physical situation, co-convolving the two probability distributions to get the distribution of possible measurements outcomes consistent with the setup information. Which is just, you know, what what's your or what's going to happen and how lucky you're going to measure it. These assumptions have enough validity across a wide range of energy scales and experimental conditions to allow these theories to make accurate predictions about most, almost all the phenomena encountered in daily life light, heat, electricity, eclipses, space flights, etc. They found only at the smallest and largest scales due to emissions of the theories themselves. When the mathematical techniques themselves break down, most notably in the case of turbulence and chaotic phenomena. Well, I really quite don't quite understand that, folks. God. Um, quantum field theories. Okay, so there's quantum theory, quantum field theories. Other than these classical continuum theories, the most widely known gauge theories are quantum field theories, including quantum electrodynamics, QED, which is standard quantum physics, and the standard model for elementary particles. The starting point of quantum field theory is much like uh, that of continuum analog, a gauge covariant action integral that characterizes allowable physical situations according to the principle of least action. However, continuum and quantum theories differ slightly in how they handle the excess degrees represented by the grade gauge transformations. Continuum theories mm -hmm. and most pedagogical, pedagogical treatments of the simplest quantum field theories use a gauge fiction description to reduce the orbit of mathematical configurations that represent a given physical situation to a smaller orbit related by a smaller gauge group, the glo global symmetry group, or perhaps even a trivial group. More sophisticated quantum field theories, in particular those that uh, involve null ability in gauge groups, so the, that makes the order of, of transformations, 
Break the gauge symmetry within the techniques of the perturbation theorem. Include additional fields, the Fatif pot of ghosts, uh, counter terms motivated by the anomaly cancellation, an approach known as BRST quantization. While these concerns are in one sense highly technical, they are also closely related to the nature of the measurement, the limits of the knowledge of the physical situation and the interaction between incompletely specified experimental conditions and incompletely understood physical theory. The mathematical techniques that have been developed in order to make gauge theories tractable have found many other applications such as solid state physics, crystallography and low dimensional topography. Wow, I don't quite understand that, but I've read it. Okay, classical gauge theory. This is something I can understand, guys. <clears throat> this is beautiful stuff here. Okay. Historical, the first example of gauge symmetry discovered was the classical electromagnetism. In electrostatics, one can either discuss the E field or the corresponding electric potential. Knowledge of one makes it possible to find the other, except potentials differing by, um, that potentials differing by a constant correspond to the same electric field. This is because the electric field relates to changes in potential from one point to another, and the constant C will cancel out when subtracting to find the change in potential. In terms of vector calculus, electric fields can be a gradient of potential, E equals delta V. Generalising from static electricity to electromagnetism, we have a second potential, vector A potential, which I now do understand. E uh, is delta V, uh, a spatial thing, plus dA dt, uh, so minus dA dt. B is curl is curl A. The general gauge transformation uh, now uh, becomes not just V to V plus C but A plus an arbitrary function and V uh, plus the arbitrary function divided by T where F is twice the differentiable function that depends on position and time. Is any twice differential function that depends on position and time. Fields remains the same under the gauge transformation and therefore Maxwell's equations still satisfy it. That is, Maxwell equations have a gauge symmetry. That is, they have a function in that. That's interesting. <coughs> the remaining section uh, of this section requires some familiarity with classical quantum field theories the use of Lagrangians, definitions of gauge group, gauge fields, interaction Lagrangian gauge boson. Okay, well, tough luck if you don't understand anything, so I'm going to try and do it. Now, I can't say some of these symbols here, so it's going to be rather difficult. The following illustrates how local gauge invariance can be motivated heuristically, uh, starting at global symmetry properties, and how it leads to an interaction between originally non-interacting fields. Hmm. Okay, consider N non-interacting real scalar fields. With equal masses N, the system is described by an action, the sum of all usual actions from the scalar field. Also call it rho, I suppose. Rho is not the correct thing. Rho. S, which is what S stands for, 
equals the integral uh, over four um, direction of x. I don't know what, why four. The sum of all uh, n fields and um, um, I suppose psi would be a v. It looks like a half acceleration of vt. That's the Lagrangian. Lagrangian. Uh, so the Lagrangian density can be compactly written as Lagrangian of half, and I can't do this formula. It looks like a kinetic energy term. By introducing vector fields, um, so they have a vector field, so they do a vector field. The partial derivative along dimension u is now transparent that the Lagrangian is invariant under transformation um, where um, you put an arbitrary constant in front of it. Beyond me, mate. If you just ask me, I'd they're saying that the um, you can add an arbitrary constant matrix belonging to an n by n orthogonal group uh, O n. So O n is a series of orthogonal matrices. And this is seen to reserve the Lagrangian since the derivative of thi transforms identically to thi in both quantities appear inside the dot products of the Lagrangian. Orthogonal transformation preserve the dot product. I don't quite understand. Um, so the derivative of a field uh, goes to the derivative of a field dash equals g the derivative of the field. Do not understand it at all. This characterizes a global symmetry of a particular Lagrangian. The symmetry group is often called a gauge group. The mathematical term is a structure group, especially in the theory of G structures. Incidentally, Noether's theorem implies that invariance under this group trans, uh, of transformation leads to conservation of currents. Um, J, which is a current, is the derivative of the field T, 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 where T matrices are the generators of the SON groups. And there is one conserved current for every generator. What does a current... This is way, way beyond me so quickly. Isn't it amazing? Okay, now I've got to look at Nurse's theorem. Have they looked at that one? So I have to look up what Nurse's theorem is. Now, demanding that the Lagrangian should have a local uh, orthogonal n invariance requires that the G matrices which were earlier constants, should be allowed to become functions of space-time coordinates. In this case, the G matrices do not pass through the derivatives um, when G equals GX. Mm. The failure of the derivative to commute introduces an additional term in keeping with the product rule, which spoils the invariance of the Lagrangian. In order to rectify this, we define a new derivative operator that the derivative of thi again transforms identical to thi dash. Right. The new derivative is called the gauge covariant derivative and takes the form of d 
equals delta minus i g a u. So he's introduced a complex term where g is a coupling constant of the quantity defining the strength of the interaction. After a simple calculation, we can see the gauge field AX must transform as follows. Um, so A dash A or A field equals G A field minus, so you, you put the gauge field minus, and it has another theme which is minus I on G, the coupling constants D the derivative of g by the g in inverse. What the heck? The gauge field is an element of the Lie algebra and therefore can be expanded as a equals a of ta, where, where I think t is the, I've forgotten what it is. It's therefore as many gauge fields as there are generators in the Lie algebra. Finally, we have a local gauge invariant Lagrangian. The Lagrangian locally is that's the standard form for Lagrangian use. Pauli uses the gauge transformation of the first type to mean the transformation thi, uh, while compensating for the transformation A is called gauge transformation of the second type. The difference between Lagrangian of the original global gauge invariant Lagrangian is seen in the interaction Lagrangian. <gasps> God, oh my. Godfather, I can't begin to read that to you. I couldn't read that to you. Lagrangian integration. This term introduces interactions between the n-scalar fields just as a consequence of the demand for the local gauge invariance. However, to make this interaction physical and not completely arbitrary, a mediator AX needs to be propagated in space. Hmm. That is dealt with in the next section by adding another, yet another term Lagrangian GF, whatever that means, to Lagrangian. In this quantized version, obtained um, classical field theory, the quanta is a gauge field, AX is called a gauge boson. An interpretation of the interaction gauge and Lagrangian quantum field is in scalar bosons interacting with the exchange of these gauge bosons. Uh, I'll read that one sentence again. It's, it's beyond what the heck is going on, how the heck. The interpretation of the interaction of the uh, interaction of the Lagrangian in the quantum field theory is of scalar bosons interacting by exchange of gauge bosons. Okay, so these are particles like electrons and neutrons and by exchanging a gauge boson. So when a gauge boson goes across, it it just changes it the symmetry across. So I can actually see that a, a gluon is a gauge boson, it's something which just changes. So a gauge boson is a, something which does a change. So a photon um, will do a change in electric electric fields, a, a, um, a weak gauge boson, uh, like a, an, a W boson or a Z boson will just change a field, so a gauge boson actually is something which 
uh, affects a gauge change, re reorient things. So I can sort of see that. Then you've got eight gluons. Now the gauge itself can, as it puts propagating, uh, convert into um, a set of scalar bosons, and the scalar bosons can actually have mass. So let's have the Higgs boson can have mass. What does it go into? So a boson has mass. That's amazing. Um, the Young-Mills-Lagrangian uh, for gauge field. The picture of classical gauge theory developed in the previous section is almost complete, except the fact that a definite covariant derivatives d one needs to know the value of gauge field AX at all space-time points. Instead of manually specifying the values of this field, we can give it as a solution to the field equations, further requiring the gradient that generates this field equation is locally gauge invariant as well. One possible form for the gauge field gradient is um, the Lagrangian of the gauge field equals a half the trace of, and there's um, covariant and contravariant matrices F, where F, uh, oh, the, where FA is obtained from the potential A mu corresponding to AX by FAUV equals this, this fairly complicated uh, thing where FABC is the structure constant of the Lie algebra for the generators of the gauge group. Okay, you're going to have to read this. It's page 5 of 8 of the Wikipedia gauge theory. My God, Father. The FABC are the structure constants of the Lie algebra of the generators of the gauge group. This formulation of the Grangian is called the Young-Mills interaction. Other gauge invariant actions also exist, nonlinear electrodynamics, Born infield action, Schoen Simons model, theta term, etc. In the Lagrangian term, there is no field whose transformation counterweights the one of A. The invariance of this term under gauge transformation is a particular case of the a priori classical geometrical symmetry. This symmetry must be restricted in order to perform quantization. The procedure being denominated by gauge fixing, but even after restriction, gauge transformations may be possible. The complete Lagrangian for gauge theory is now Lagrangian equals local uh, plus the global field equals the global field plus the I don't understand what does GF stand for? The GF is gauge field. So the global Lagrangian, the internal Lagrangian and the field Lagrangian. An example, my godfather. I'm sorry I cannot read this bit of you. Um, okay. I don't expect anyone to read this. A simple application of formalism is considered in the case of electrodynamics with the uh, only the electron field. The bare bones action generates the electron field direct equation. S, the electric field, is um, 
Um, it looks a bit like a quantum mechanical equation. This looks like the um, an energy equation. S, the action S, is um, the complex wave function into uh, I H bar C. Um, some sort of constant uh, derivative minus mc squared for that to the over four dimensions. The global symmetry term is psi e to the i theta psi, where the Jago group is u1, just rotations at the phase angle of the field, in particular rotations determined by constant theta. Localizing this symmetry implies the replacement of theta by theta x, and appropriate invert covariant uh, covariant derivatives is then d um, uh, the derivative of the function <coughs> i.e. a I've forgotten what a is a is the vector is the uh, the field potential now what I don't quite understand this gives you why a quantum mechanical func particle phase rotates with its energy, I think so. I then find that charge E is not to be confused with the mathematical constant E in the symmetry section. With the usual electric charge, this is the origin of the usage of the term in gauge series. The gauge field AX is a four-vector potential of the electromagnetic field results in the interaction of Lagrangian. Lagrangian internally is E on H um, yeah, the, is, uh, the current, the charge current times the vector potential. With Jx, uh, where it says here, Jx equals E on H, psi dx, some sort of lamb, some, I don't know what, this uh, gamma function, uh, psi x, this electric current four vector of the direct field. Gauge principle is therefore seen to naturally introduce the so-called minimal coupling of the electric field to the electron field. Electro, electron field. Adding a Lagrangian um, for the A uh, field AX in the term of the field strength tensor, exactly as in electrodynamics, one obtains Lagrangian used as the starting point for quantum electrodynamics. Now, um, quantum electrodynamics is QED. Lagrangian of QED is um, something really complex. I wish I understood that. Oh, I'm supposed to be a quantum physicist. Uh, I don't know what F stands for again. We've got F contravariant and stuff like that. Let's go back to page 5 to see if I can have a look. Page 3, 4... So there's actually a field term in there as well. F is is a self-field energy. That's pretty amazing. So there's a, so besides four eight gluons, there's a field energy which I didn't know about. Okay, we're page six of eight. Mercifully, won't go too far. Gauge series are usually discussed in the language of differential geometry. Mathematically, a gauge is just a choice, a local selection of some principal bundle. 
a gauge transformation is just a transformation between two such selections. Although gauge theory is dominated by the study of connections, primarily because it's mainly studied by high-energy physicists, the idea of a connection is not central to gauge theory in general. In fact, a result in general gauge theory shows that an affine representation, affine modules, or the gauge transformation can be classified as selections of jet bundles satisfying certain properties. What oh, the heck is this? There are representations that transform coherently point-wise um, called by physicists gauge transformations of the first kind represents that transformations as a connection form called physicists gauge transformations of the second time or affine representation and other more general representations such as the B-field and BF theory. There are more general nonlinear representation realizations but these are extremely complicated. Still, nonlinear sigma models transform nonlinear, so there are uh, so are their applications. If there are principal bundle P whose base space is space or space-time and structure group is a Lie group, then the P sections form a principal homogeneous space of the group of gauge transformation. So I do understand a little bit of that. Connection, gauge connections, define the principal bundle yielding a covariant derivative uh, nabla in an associated vector bundle. In a local frame is chosen a local basis of selections, then this covariant derivative is representative of a connection uh, uh, form A, where A is the uh, gauge field, I suppose. A Lie algebra value uh, one, for, uh, one form is called a gauge potential in physics. This is evidently, evidently not an intrinsic but frame-dependent quantity. The curvature from form F, a Lie algebra value 2 form, that is an intrinsic quantity, is constructed by the connection of form by A at DA of the field and it's A, I've not seen this before, it's a little up arrow between the A, where D stands for the exterior derivative and uh, this upward pointing thing occurs for the wedge product. As an element of a vector space spanned by the uh, generators at TA, and so the components of A do not commute with one another. Hence the wedge product does not vanish. What the heck is a wedge product? Oh my God. Oh. The infinitesimal gauge transformation uh, form a Lie algebra, which is characterized by a smooth Lie algebra valued scalar. Uh, I suppose epsilon. Under such an infinitesimal gauge transformation, d epsilon a equals epsilon of a minus de, where the dot comma dot is the Lie bracket. The nice thing, let's see, there is a nice thing, is that dx equals um, that if dx equals ex d dx equals d, with d is a covariant derivative. Not all gauge transformations can be generated by infinitesimal gauge transformation in general. An example, when the base manifold is compact manifold without boundary, 
such as a homotopy class of mappings from the manifold of the Lark group is non-trivial. See instanton for instanton for an example. Yang-Mills interaction is now given by the trace of the wedge product of f, which I forgot what f is. God, let's see what f is. f is something to do with the um, f is um, where f is obtained from the potentials being components of ax by and f is some sort of wacko derivative of the field. Oh my god, father. Oh, this is so complex. Where star stands for the Hodge dual of the integral defined by the differential geometry. A quantity of gauge invariant, invariant under gauge transform, is the Wilson loop, which is defined over any closed path um, gamma as follows. Psi is this is just incomprehensible. I've not seen anything like this before. Where psi is a character or complex representation of rho, and p represents the path ordered operator. The formulation of gauge theory carries over to a general setting, thank goodness. For example, it is sufficient to ask that a vector bundle have a metric connection when one does so, find that the metric connection satisfies the Yang-Mills equations of motion. Wow, God, how are we going to do this? Methods and names. The first gauge theory quantized was quantum electrodynamics, QED. The first methods developed for this involved gauge fixing and then applying canonical quantization. gupta Berla method was developed to handle the problem. Null-Albin gauge theories are now handled by a variety of means, methods and quantization are covered by the article on quantization. The main point of quantization is to enable compute quantum amplitude of various processes allowed by the theory. Technically, they are reduced to computations of certain correlation functions of the vacuum state. This involves renormalization theory. God, I could get onto that. Um, when the running couplings of the theory is small enough, then all required quantities may be computed in perturbation theory. Quantization schemes in intended to simplify such computation, such as canonical quantization, may be called perturbative quantization schemes. At present, some of these methods lead to the most precise experimental tests of gauge theories. Oh, God. It does, doesn't it? They, they do this theoretical stuff and they get these exquisitely accurate numbers, which we mention. However, in most gauge theories, there are many interesting questions which are non-perturbative. Quantization schemes suited to these problems, such as lattice gauge theory, may be called non-perturbative quantization schemes. Precise computations in such schemes often require supercomputing, and therefore less well-developed than currently other schemes. Anomalies, okay, we're almost through. Some of the symmetries in classical theories are seen uh, not to hold quantum theory, a phenomenon called anomaly. Amongst the most well-known are the scale anomaly, which gives rise to running coupling constant. In QED, this gives rise to a phenomenon as the Landau pole. In quantum chromodynamics, 
this leads to asymptotic freedom. So asymptotic freedom means that, that you can actually turn off the strong force uh, at very high energies. I do know that one. The child uh, anomaly uh, in either child or vector field theories with fermions. This is close connection with topology through the notion of instantons. In QCD, this anomaly causes the decay of pion into two photons. Wow, that is pretty amazing. Isn't that amazing? So a, a pion is a um, is a meson, which is made out of a um, so a pion is made out of normal ups and down quarks, and they just go into two photons. The gauge anomaly, which must cancel any consistent physical theory, in the electroweak theory, this cancellation requires an equal number of quarks and leptons. In the universe, there you go. Pure gauge, um, a pure pure gauge, a pure gauge is a set of field configurations obtained by gauge transformation uh, on the null field configuration, i.e., gauge transformation of zero. So it is a particular gauge orbit in a field configuration space. Thus, in the elevating case where you can interchange things, ax goes to a dash x equals ax plus sigma fetch is a pure gauge. It's just a set of field configurations of all f a x. Gives you an idea of just how absolutely mind-blowingly complicated physics is, even though we got the simple simple stuff out. Okay, so I'm sorry about that. But, um, I, I really am a bit, a bit sorry about that. So. And thanks, thanks a lot for listening. Another podcast, another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.